Welcome to the Fruit from Under the Fig Tree podcast with pastor, teacher, and historian George DeYoung. Picking up from our podcast episode titled Our Lord God, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, today George leads us to a deeper understanding of the covenantal name of God as we learn about the two trees. I'd like to pick up from where we left off on our next-to-last podcast, where we were thinking about how God introduces himself in the text. In chapter 1 of Genesis, he's God, and he speaks as king and judge, because the author of all things has authority over all things. I think that's one of the reasons why the disciples were so in awe that day when they woke Jesus up on the boat amidst the storm. And then Jesus says, peace, be still. And you notice the disciples' response? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's not until Jesus that the wind and the waves obey anybody but the king of the universe. And they're connecting some dots, in my opinion. Well, anyhow, in Genesis 1, God calls all of creation to intervene in just one chapter. But in Genesis 2, God reveals himself to us as the Lord God. Now, this Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, D, is the compassionate covenantal name of God. Whereas Genesis 1 is these broad, sweeping strokes, Genesis 2 is more intimate And capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is a more intimate name of God. This is the gracious and compassionate side of God. Genesis 2. Things slow down. Things become more intimate as the Lord God puts his fingers into the ground and lifts out dirt and he shapes and he breathes into the shape and up rises his image bearer, Adam. Then it's interesting to me, God places Adam in the garden. And there are trees in the garden. And the first commandment that the Lord God gives man is eat of any of these trees. Now there was a tree of life in the middle of the garden. And there was also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As if to say that the tree of knowledge of good and evil wasn't necessarily in the middle of the garden. It was out there somewhere. And of that tree you should not eat. The sages and rabbis point to God's focus. God's focus is not on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. His focus is on the tree of life. Well... I see things slow down. I see God and the man in the garden. And yes, man is to have dominion over all creation, but this dominion isn't just foisted on him. It's as if God wants to nurture the man and grow the man. I see God and the man in the garden and God teaching the man how to work the garden, how to plant the seeds. I remember as a little kid, my dad would say, okay, now George, put your finger into the dirt up to your first knuckle. Okay, now drop in three corn kernels. One, two, three. Now cover it up. Okay. Now about a foot later on. Okay. Just follow the string all the way down. Just keep doing that, son. And then a few days later, we go and check out how the corn is doing and there's popping up. And and God's saying, well, you, do you see that corn? Can you eat that corn, George? No, dad, you can't. Oh no, it takes time, doesn't it? Gardens take time. I see a deep relationship developing between the man, God's image bearer, and the father. I see them the man growing in understanding and knowledge and wisdom. And one day God says, you know, it's not good that the man's alone. Now, did God make a mistake? Did God get something wrong? Well, of course not. You see, in the opening of Genesis 2, you see God working with the man and the man growing in wisdom and knowledge. And the man doesn't even, isn't even aware yet that there's something missing in his life. So the next thing that God does is not make the woman, but God parades the animals before the man. And whatever the man would name them, that's what the animal would be. There's something about the man that has matured after the planting of the garden, eating of all the trees that he wanted to, except that one over there, way over there. The man grew in wisdom and understanding. 
And he began to name the animals. Now, naming is something that only God had done before. And in this way, man is imaging the one who he has created to image. And as God is responsible for the sun, the moon, the stars, as God is responsible for the winds and the rains, man becomes responsible for the things that he names. And after he names everything, he sees the last animal walking away. The man becomes aware. All of them have pairs, but where's my pair? Where's my other? I wonder if that's the last thought that the man was thinking as he drifted into sleep, only to wake up and to be presented with, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's as if that the man had to learn and he had to grow so he would cherish. Well, it's interesting that the story moves on quite quickly and now we're into Genesis chapter three. Now, maybe not at the center of the garden, but it is certainly at the center of the attention of the woman, the man as well. There they're confronted with the snake and the snake said, did God really say? And you know how the whole thing unfolds and we can talk about that some other time. I wanna just focus on these trees though because after they eat of the tree, they hide. God comes, where are you? Then there's God's words to the man because you ate. Then there's God's words to the woman because you ate. And then there's God's curse of the snake and then It seems as if God is almost panicking. We've got to get the man and woman out of here, lest they eat of, now you would expect to read, lest they would eat more of the tree of the knowledge, good and evil. No, lest they eat of the tree of life. And here I want to pause for a few moments. And I want to think with you about what exactly is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and what exactly is the tree of life. Now, again, this is going to be my interpretation, but I'll lay it out there and see what you think. First of all, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Hebrew, you could translate it as the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, or you could also say the tree of right and wrong. Right and wrong are rules. It's a tree of rules. One plus one equals two. That's right. One plus one equals three. That's wrong. There's rules in terms of mathematics there's rules in terms of grammar, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, tree of, tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, subject, predicate, object, verb, and how they function in a sentence, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But then there's poetry. That's the tree of life. There's mathematics. And I have a friend, her name is Cindy, and she directed The Lion King on Broadway a number of years ago and got us tickets. And I remember she was doing her PhD paper and she was talking to me about how music really is mathematics. It's all math, George, she said. You see, the notes, do, rave me, fa, so, la, ti, do, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have to know these things. But a cantata, that's the tree of life. The tree of rules, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of what's right and wrong feeds the body, one rabbi said. But music, poetry, art feeds the soul. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree of the knowledge of what's good and bad, what's right and wrong. It's the tree of the knowledge of rules. It's the tree of law. What is the tree of life then, George? The text doesn't really describe it, but I wanted to take this kind of time to think with you about this because it seems to me the tree of life was life with God. It was the man planting a garden, fellowshipping with the father and learning and growing. And then God saying, this is not good. The rabbis ask, what's not good? Here's the man without sin and God and creation. 
What more could you want? And the rabbis would say, not good enough, not good enough. And then the man wakes up. He grows and matures to a point where he can receive this amazing gift, his complete self. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, that's the tree of life. Our grandson Malcolm has just had a second birthday. And I remember when Malcolm was born a couple years ago and had little Malcolm in my arms and holding him for the first time and, and being a little uncomfortable because he was so tiny. And, and I hear, Beth, you take him, you take him. And, uh, and we get to babysit Malcolm once one day a week. Um, that's an honor for us. And, and we've watched Malcolm grow. And, and there comes a time when Malcolm comes in and, and I, he sees me and he goes, Paka, Paka. Uh, which is one of the Dutch ways of saying grandfather. And I'd say, Malcolm, and I'd pick him up, and I'd give him Zerberts, and, and, and we do pillow bombs. Uh, when it's time to change diaper, I'd do a couple of pillow bombs, throw him in the pillows on our bed. And uh, he laughs, and he wants me to read books, and we're just having all kinds of fun. It's re- relationship, relationship, relationship. When Malcolm comes over, we have these stairs that go down and a folding gate that we put there. Now, to Malcolm, it's just another wall. It's just another wall. It's kind of different. He never asks about it, but it's just there. But one of these days, we're going to take that gate away, and it'll just be the stairs. And Malcolm will walk by and will say, Malcolm, no, that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There is a time when God intended for the man and the woman to mature in relationship with the Father so that they would also eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, good and bad, right and wrong, the tree of law. And the reason why God wanted them out of the garden, because at their immaturity, if they were to continue to eat from the tree of life, then they would think that life would be life with God, and it would be life with God because of rules first. Always rules first. And that's the challenge of Genesis chapter 1. Remember, that was the challenge of the snake. The snake didn't say, did the Lord God tell you? No, no, no. It's in Genesis 2 that God gives a prohibition of the tree. But the snake refers to God of the Genesis chapter 1 the king and the judge, but God wants to be known as the Lord God. That's exactly how Jesus came, didn't he? Jesus didn't come law, law, law. Jesus came grace, grace, grace. In fact, the religious leaders had a problem with Jesus because he sought relationship with everybody. Prostitutes, tax collectors, the blind, the deaf, the dead. It's always grace with Jesus. It's all relationship, relationship, relationship. I see in Jesus the fulfillment of the tree of life, what life with God looks like. It's patient. It's gracious. It never gives up. Life with God is not repaying evil with evil. Life with God is life with Jesus. And I see Jesus like the tree of life. And then we come to Calvary. And on Calvary, we see the tree of life nailed to the tree of law, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it looks like that life has been defeated and swallowed up by death. In Revelation 22, John describes what the angel showed him, this wonderful river of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood a tree of life, bearing crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the trees of life are for the healing of the nations. Did you notice that? There's not one tree of life. There are two trees of life. Could it be that in the world to come, The tree of life that is the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ is so firmly established, 
so rooted that when we come to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which teaches us our boundaries, what is good and what is not good, we eat of that tree as well, and that too is a tree of life. And isn't it true that when we come to our relationship with Jesus Christ, where he turns our heart of stone to a heart of flesh, he says to us, now if you love me, obey my commandments. It is only in Jesus that the tree of life is not only the tree of relationship, but the tree of life is also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Life with God is life with Jesus. And it is only in Jesus that the tree of life is not only the tree of life, but can also be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let that sink in for a bit. Ponder these two trees and how life is all about relationships. We'd love to have a deeper relationship with you. You can visit our website at underthefigtree.org to email us, or perhaps you'd like to get more information or sign up for one of our many study trips with George. Just let us know how we can be of help to you. And you can be a help to us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you for listening. And until next time, see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and set your heart on all that God has for you.